Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to regulatory pressures to marketing strategies. Even as more Americans are vaccinated and some local economies begin to reopen, recent consumer research suggests many of the shopping changes that consumers adopted during the pandemic are here to stay, including a heightened focus on safety, financial health, and social justice. According to consumer research conducted by the rewards and marketing app Shopkick earlier this month, the lockdowns instituted at the start of the coronavirus pandemic pushed three-quarters of Americans to adjust their habits, including where, when, and how they shopped, and also what they bought. A year later, Shopcake says the pandemic continues to influence how Americans buy groceries and other goods. As a result, Jason Gillespie, Executive Vice President of Data and Analytics at Shopkick, explains in this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast that retailers and brands must remain vigilant by constantly tracking fresh data and be ready to pivot quickly, just as they've had to so many times over the past year. He also shares details on how consumer behavior has changed over the past year and strategies for how brands and retailers can best respond to better serve their consumers going forward. As part of Shopkick's commitment to helping brands, retailers, and shoppers navigate the pandemic, Gillespie explains that the platform surveyed thousands of people nationwide who use it to earn rewards or kicks for engaging with products about how the coronavirus and other current events influence their behavior and attitudes. We're, we're a rewards app, and we're an app that lets people earn points or kicks, as we call them, hence the name Shopkick, for doing various activities. And those activities to the consumer might be things like looking at a video or going to a store, engaging with a product or buying a product. To a marketer, those activities look like awareness marketing, building awareness of a brand, uh, consideration and engagement marketing, getting people close to the brand, close to the products, and then purchase marketing, you know, actually driving a conversion. So we're sort of a full funnel player on the marketing side. And what that means is if you're a consumer and you're in the Shopkick app, our hope is that there's something there for you regardless of which stage of that funnel you're in. One of the things that we regularly do in the app is talk to consumers. We talk to them primarily through surveys. Those surveys could be, could be how you feel about a product, for example, or they could be surveys that are more general and designed to capture insights from this you know, fairly substantial population of Shopkick users. That population is actually large enough so that we can pull out kind of representative samples on, on really any cross-section of America that you want. The, the, everybody buys food, almost everybody. Uh, there's probably a few you know, people that you know, stay in their penthouse 24-7 in New York City or something that are you know, very non-representative of the U.S. population that we don't have such good access to. But by and large, if you're thinking about the general U.S. buyer population, we have pretty good access to that. Um, the other thing is we have a rewards platform, which means we have a mechanism for giving people a generally small incentive, not so much that it would bias the results of the study, but big enough that it would give them reason to want to participate. One of the earliest and most persistent changes in consumer behavior during the pandemic uncovered by Shopkick 
was a heightened focus on health safety, which the most recent survey reveals likely will remain a top priority for many Americans, even as the vaccine continues to roll out. What's interesting about that is that while there appears to be some debate among the political classes, among the actual buying public, there's very little debate. 79% of consumers expect retailers to continue to enforce health and safety restrictions. And I'll give you some examples of those that we specifically asked about, requiring a face covering for both shoppers and employees, disinfecting both shoppers and things shoppers may touch, enforcing six feet social distancing, keeping plexiglass barriers at checkout, and limits on the number of shoppers allowed inside a physical location. Again, about 80% of consumers are very much in favor of these. So while you may hear a debate in some political circles, whether those should be sort of government imposed, almost assuredly they should be imposed by the businesses themselves who are within their rights to enforce each and every one of these mandates as privately operating businesses. And I think what you'll see is, uh, again, unlike government, which generally doesn't care about as much as 49% of the population, businesses care about everyone. And when 80% of the population says, you're going to enforce these, I don't think business thinking is nearly as Neanderthal as you'll see some from, from some people in government. In addition to setting high ongoing safety expectations of retailers, most consumers will hold themselves to the same high bar. Shopkick found that 96% of vaccinated consumers and 97% of those who plan to be vaccinated will continue taking personal safety precautions while shopping in-store, including 93% who will wear face coverings, 87% who will use disinfectants, and 66% who will shop at off-peak times. One reason for the resolute focus on safety measures could be a concern that not enough people will be vaccinated quickly enough to create herd immunity. According to a Shopkick survey conducted in early March, 8% of respondents were vaccinated and 48 planned to receive it, but 44% did not plan on being inoculated against the coronavirus. To reduce exposure during the pandemic, many shoppers shifted their shopping habits to include less frequent trips and ordering groceries online for delivery or pickup which Gillespie says will continue to remain popular options even as more Americans are vaccinated. For example, Shopkick's March survey found 49% plan to continue taking fewer but bigger shopping trips, 49% want to shop online more, and 10% say they will use buy online and pick up in-store options more. But Gillespie notes this does not mean that in-store shopping will go away. Rather, he says that consumers will adopt an omni-channel approach that includes both online and in-store shopping. When COVID hit, we saw people move to fewer, bigger trips, more omni-channel, meaning either taking things online that weren't online or combining an online and offline experience with buy online, pick up in store or BOPUS, which had kind of been written off a little bit before COVID and suddenly BOPUS was having this huge moment. COVID was a coming out party for BOPUS. Everybody loves BOPUS now. They can, they can punch up Target.com and find a store a mile away and in two hours walk in and it's right there at the front, limited interaction, very low-risk way. 
uh, of getting both their groceries and any other goods that are available at their local Target. Uh, and, and our belief is that the interest in those alternative channels, especially things like buying online, picking up in store, uh, doing more online research, will still be there. Uh, with that said, we, in no way do we think physical retail is going away because a large fraction of shoppers still tell us, majorities in fact, uh, that they do intend to keep buying things physically in a store. I think what you're seeing is there's a spectrum here, and there's a spectrum around consumer need. At the one end of the spectrum, I've got a crying nine-month-old, and I'm out of diapers. I'm not doing BOPUS. I'm not going online. I'm going to a store, and I'm getting diapers. I need these diapers in 10 minutes. And on the other end of the spectrum, you know, I'm buying a new TV unit. I've been thinking about this thing for two years. I don't care if it takes six weeks to ship from Wayfair or whatever, I'll just buy it online and, and I just want it at my front door. You know, in between that spectrum, you've got things like BOPUS, you've got online ordering, you've got stopping at a store on your, on your way home from work. All of those different mechanisms are going to come into play depending on how consumers feel about the product. One trend that emerged during the pandemic, but which may be reverting, is consumers' wavering attitudes and loyalty to brands. One of the trends that we saw was that the interest in buying a specific brand waned quite a bit when the pandemic hit. What mattered more was what could I get my hands on? Uh, and so that flowed through into the way consumers thought about not just those products that were specifically restricted, such as toilet paper or paper towel or Clorox wipes, where maybe people liked those, but they just had to buy something else because it was all they could get. Hand sanitizer initially was fairly scarce. Um, but once they saw that, eh, you know, I'll just, I'll just kind of buy whatever's available, a little bit of that bled over even into products that didn't necessarily have any sort of shortage. Now, shortage may be different depending on where you are in the United States, but what it means is there was a reduced amount of brand loyalty, uh, something like I think in the 80, per 80 to 85% range of shoppers said they were less brand loyal initially, that has now unwound some. In our most recent survey, it was 38% of consumers caring less about the brand name. So brand took a sharp drop uh, and is still less important than it was pre-pandemic, but brand has recovered some. Um, that all sort of makes sense because we would eventually expect people uh, in some ways, to go back to where they were. And I think one of those ways would be the comfort they have with brands. Now, there are going to be some consumers that have discovered and migrated to new brands during the pandemic, and I think they'll stick with those brands. As brands fight to regain or maintain new consumers gained during the pandemic, many are bringing back promotions, which Gillespie notes mostly stopped during the early months of the pandemic, but which now can be a powerful tool why brands and retailers may have backed off from discounts and promotions when Corona hit was because, you know, they didn't need to. You, you went to the store and you were lucky to find something. You weren't, you weren't price shopping. You were simply shopping to get your hands on things. And so there was absolutely no reason to discount when you've got supply chain issues, when you've got stockouts. Um, that world is kind of behind us now. It seems like the run on toilet paper, which was pretty irrational from the beginning, uh, is done. There's plenty of sanitizer. You know, most foods were never short or out. Um, so it was more of a psychological issue in most categories than a true supply chain issue. 
But we're pretty past that now, which means, again, it's about getting back to normal marketing principles. Uh, why am I discounting? Why am I promoting? I want to drive market share. Uh, I want to drive trial. I want to win back consumers who may have defected to another brand. Again, COVID was sort of like you know, taking the 52 card deck of cards and throwing it up in the air and, and it landed where it landed. And, and some people landed on the same brand and some landed on other brands. So this is a great time to try to win back those consumers. And the other thing is, it's a very uneven recovery. You know, it's a K-shaped recovery. So you've got one group of people that are shareholders and the market's at an all-time high and, and the value of their home is up and everything's going relatively well. You've got another group of people that are struggling to get back to work. Maybe they were in the restaurant industry or, or hotel, tourism, cruise lines, uh, travel's still way down. Whole segments of the economy uh, that aren't going to just spring right back. They're going to come back over time. Uh, I think that's a generally accepted belief. But there's people still struggling, and there's, there's a lot of people for whom value really matters. So this is an opportunity to speak to that group that's maybe not necessarily doing as well. As influential as money is on purchasing decisions, it isn't everything. Brands and retailers' values also influence what consumers buy, according to Shopkick data, which found 68% of Americans claim the pandemic has made them more conscious consumers. Shopkick's March survey found 39% of respondents report researching whether their values align with their brands or company's values before buying from them. In addition, 11% say they're supporting more BIPOC-owned businesses, and 65% say they're keeping it local, which includes foregoing online shopping for 8% of respondents and skipping Amazon.com particularly for another 8%. Gillespie also notes that there's a very strong correlation between shoppers' age and how important it is that their values align with the brand's or retailer's values. The younger you are, the more it matters. So if you're in Gen Z, if you're a millennial, it's pretty significant. Somewhat if you're a Gen X, uh, a little less, but still getting more meaningful even within the baby boomer cohort. Uh, let's not forget that you know, they were, while they're older now, they were probably the original social changers back in the day. And so you know, uh, that kind of stuff can matter all the way up the age spectrum. For example, Shopkick found 55% of Gen Z shoppers are most likely to shop more at retailers or buy brands that align with their values, followed by 47% of millennials, 45% of Gen Xers, and 41% of baby boomers. Where retailers can play into that, or brands, you see that it's easier if you're your own brand and retail combo. But even if you're a brand that's sold in a store, you know, things that are green, things that are environmental things that are organic, non-GMO. There's all these labels and attachments now uh, that people are tying to brands and products that represent a value. As brands continue to navigate the rapidly changing values and the uneven economic recovery, Gillespie says their best bet is to remain flexible and invest in fresh data, which Shopkick can help provide as this will reflect the impact of rapid change and influence their next moves. Things are starting to, starting to get better across the board, but it's a little, bit of, a little bit of wait and see here, a little bit of touch and go in 2021. I think the key for brands and retailers is going to be maintain your flexibility, maintain your agility, keep on top of data points, adjust 
as needed. Um, this isn't the year to fall back on annual planning syndrome, right? What, whatever you think is going to be uh, the condition of the world in 12 months, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even spend your time there. Be thinking, you know, months at a time, three months at a time, because things are changing quickly as we vaccinate presumably most adult Americans by I think sometime in May is the projected number. Um, that opens up the possibility for things being very different, you know, come July or August. Apps like Shopkick or other mechanisms where they have a direct line to the consumer is helpful. I think how Shopkick tries to help other than just being a marketing vehicle is by being a source of insights. You know, if you think about looking at everything that someone's buying on their receipt, looking at what they're picking up and holding in their hand, looking at when and where they're shopping, there's a lot of kind of customized or individual insights that could be useful to a brand manager. If I'm managing a brand, you know, it's critically important that I understand, for example, you know, what's my share of wallet, how's that changing over time, and I don't necessarily have that at a very detailed level because I'm getting a data feedback you know, from a retailer, distributor, whoever it is that's, that's rolling everything up, and I'm, I'm missing nuance and I'm missing subtlety around, you know, there's a pocket of stores uh, in Southern California where I'm doing really poorly because there's you know, an aggressive local competitor or something like that, where I think being able to dig into data in a more nuanced way is really important for brands right now. Ultimately, while Gillespie notes we are not out of the woods yet, he is optimistic that with the right tools, including data and the vaccine, the U.S. economy will turn around and brands and retailers can be expecting brighter days ahead. With that, we've reached the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope you'll join me again next week for another installment. And to ensure you remember, I encourage you to subscribe to us. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive, profitable, and safe week.